Thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Muni Bali, Stacks founder. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks mainnet launched earlier this year. Thanks for being here, Muneeb. Question of the day is what global Stacks communities are you excited to revisit once travel is more accessible? I would say uh, probably Korea and Turkey are on the top of the list. Uh, I feel like there's are very enthusiastic communities there. In fact, uh, there was a community member that I bumped into on the streets in New York uh, who was here from Korea and uh, posted a picture in the in, in the community channel, and that was like very exciting to see. Incredible. Looking forward. And there's actually been some news uh, in in the area that's incredibly exciting lately. Eric Adams, mayor-elect of New York City, is bringing CityCoins, an independent community-led project on Stacks, to the Big Apple. Now, CityCoins gives communities the power to improve and program their cities. What reactions are you seeing to this news, and what does it mean to you as someone who's been building in New York's crypto alley for years? Yeah, so I I saw the tweet from... uh from the incoming mayor, very exciting to see. I don't, I, I don't think there's anything uh, official yet, but he was just tweeting support for uh, the idea and, and, and so on. And I think the way also uh, the, the this, this community-driven project kind of works, by the way, before, before I get into it, I'm not directly involved with this. Like I'm an outsider, like, like most other people. And this is very exciting to see, uh, you know, people building all sorts of new new things on in the in, on, on the Stacks blockchain. Uh, so my understanding is that uh, the community basically uh, launches a uh, a mining mechanism uh, for a particular city, and users effectively start uh, through mining. They start contributing to a treasury for the city. The city has like no kind of like you know official link to it or any obligation uh, to even receive the the treasury and so on. But what happened, at least in the case of Miami, uh, that Mayor Shores is like very forward looking, uh, and he's like trying to attract all sorts of like crypto entrepreneurs and startups to the city. And he he apparently really leaned in to this concept, engaged with the community, and uh, passed a vote at the at the city government level. Uh, to officially accept the treasury, which was like amazing to see, and I think what New York might uh, uh, might be doing is like borrowing a, a page from the Shores playbook, and and because that thing that thing is becoming real, right? Like uh, like in the sense that the Miami uh, uh, treasury uh, through through city coins is now worth like something like twenty million dollars. Right? They can actually earn a Bitcoin yield from it, uh, which is just like additional uh, revenue directly to the city, and then. They have a communication channel uh, with the users, and they can actually use. And there, I've seen several ideas around how uh, these can be used for like improving city services, or all sorts of ideas around uh, uh, crypto applications and so on. And again, I'm not I'm not very deeply involved, so I see kind of like stuff that pops up in my Twitter feed or or, or something like that. And it, it seems like you know there's interest now uh, from other cities, specifically New York. I might have actually seen. Uh, the Austin mayor saying something on national TV as well. I forget which channel that was, but I definitely remember seeing something uh, something about Austin there. 
uh, well, given given that I've been living in New York for such a long time, uh, even when crypto was so small, and, and uh, you know, it's great to see that we finally have like more crypto friendly uh, politicians who are paying 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 the attention that I think this industry always deserves. The way I think about this is, uh, you know, back in the late '90s or early 2000s, at some point, even different cities had to figure out uh, government services through the internet. Right. So we started seeing like, you know, nyc.gov and they had to adapt to, okay, we have this thing called the internet now. How can we use the, utilize the internet uh, to make uh, lives better for people in the city? And I think crypto is like, again, my thesis is crypto is likely going to be, you know, a hundred X or maybe a thousand X bigger than the internet, both in terms of impact and, and the kind of change it can bring. So for cities, like I view, view these projects as almost like digital representation of a city and almost like a public-private uh, partnership. It's like a new communication channel, a new new type of a communication channel where the city is actually uh, getting some sort of a treasury that they can spend on city services. But then the people who are participating, the community members that are really participating, who care about it, uh, they actually have almost like a new voice uh, to be able to talk to people, to be able to share ideas, to be able to even uh, have a voice in like how some of these funds can be raised. Again, like there, this is not like a... Uh, you know, there's not like any official protocol or anything like that. I think it's the best way to think of this is it's like a new uh, friendly communication channel that didn't exist before. And there there are some financial incentives attached with it. But I think financial incentives are what runs the world, right? Like nobody, uh, you know, you go to work because you have a financial incentive to go to work and you get a salary, right? So in terms of uh, the superpower of crypto is that if you can get these financial incentives right, and you can get people to actually collaborate towards building something uh, much bigger than yourself, like that's that's I think the the key secret ingredient. And I think the idea behind uh, city coins is actually very powerful. Like uh, a lot of people are noticing it. I think even uh, I noticed that Vitalik wrote a blog post about it. Uh, Brian Armstrong from uh, Coinbase was uh, had had some sort of tweets around. Uh, uh, how powerful this idea and the apology has been uh, a big uh, big supporter of these ideas from from back back in the day and i do think that some of the discussions like the early discussions that that uh, probably uh, patrick i and balaji and some other people have had might have actually seeded some of some of these initial ideas and it's great to see the community has kind of like taken them put their own spin on it and they're they're kind of like just just running with these things Absolutely. And um, there's a lot of community members that are just representing and putting in a ton of work and effort. So congrats to everyone on these next steps. Um, and so, you know, in Stacker Chats, we're trying to address community questions. We would love to hear from folks. Um, there were some community questions that popped up around the future of Stacks mining, actually, and what factors go into it. Um, so could you share share some of the key things to keep in mind with regards to stacks mining long-term and what variables are at play there? Yeah, so I, I saw that analysis from my community member. They got a, got a bunch of attention as well. And I think I think there are some valid points that uh, are in the analysis. Maybe we could share the uh, the links in the, in the chat for, for people to take a look as well. And then there are some, uh, some things that are uh, like not not fully accurate. Like for example, I think there were some concerns that hey, why are people mining if some of the miners are actually uh, not profitable? Are they being subsidized or not? And that I can like flat out basically at least I'm not aware 
uh, of any subsidy going to any of the miners. Also, it doesn't make any rational sense. Like, who would even do it? Like, why would somebody give money to uh, a miner uh, just so that the miners can mine? Right? Because you're losing capital. You have no incentive to do that. Hero, for example, I can I can share this much. Hero as a company, we don't mine. We don't engage with miners. Uh, you know, we we have no relationship with miners, and that's the beauty of the decentralized ecosystem. Uh, that that hero actually has no role to play in mining, and I I, I doubt that uh, that that any any of the that there are any such incentives or mechanism in place where someone could just like mine at a loss. It is a uh, open market. It is uh, a competitive market, and I think uh, people could potentially mine at a loss for a short period of time, but maybe they are trying to accumulate stacks because they're bullish on long-term potential stacks. So that's something that logically makes a little bit more sense to me. But I, I honestly don't think miners would uh, sustain a loss, uh, like even for the short term, even over weeks or, 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 or months even. And from, from the data that I've seen, I think mining is pretty competitive. Uh, like the, the miners adapt very quickly to market conditions, if the if the price pairs are changing on exchanges, you will see the mar- the miners they adapt uh, very very quickly. And I think some of the concerns around, you know, how many miners are there, how does that impact decentralization? I think they're they're absolutely valid, like in the sense that right now the average is uh, I think somewhere between seven to nine or ten uh, type of miners. There there were a lot more miners earlier, and I think that's that's why it's important to understand like the dynamics, right? So there was an initial bonus period baked into the protocol uh, through which the, there was more bandwidth for more miners to just, just operate. And even on the test node, we saw like even more than 400, 500 miners uh, at some point. So the key bottleneck here is effectively how much uh, rewards are being released per block. And there are two factors in those rewards. One is the Coinbase reward, which means you know, there's almost like a thousand SDX that comes out every block. And then there are the gas fees. And I think on the Coinbase reward side, it obviously does matter that what is the market price of Stacks because miners are, are kind of like bidding. And at some point, you know, if Stacks is like $1, you have less bandwidth. If Stacks is $2, you have more bandwidth. And there have been more uh, kind of like analysis. There's even a calculator that we can we can link that uh, Friedberg made. Uh, also Trevor from the Stacks Accelerator, he made a great video explaining uh, explaining some of these dynamics as well. But I think once you start getting into the, let's call it the 5 to $7 range or even like $10 type ranges, again, this is hypothetical, uh, you know, stacks, stacks might never get there given, given the, because this is driven by network growth and so on. But if you believe that, you know, there will be a lot of applications built down the road and the network is just going to grow and there is a certain dollar price at which there's enough bandwidth that it can even uh, support like hundreds of miners. Like I think something like 400 miners could be supported at a $7 price, for example. But that's just a Coinbase reward. I think the gas fee component of it, frankly, to me, is much more interesting. Because even if, you know, you forget, like I never speculate on the, on the price of stacks, let's say, uh, whatever the price of stacks is, if there is just more use of the network, which is something that I'm really interested in, that if a lot of developers find the network useful, or a lot of users find it useful, let's say that there are more NFTs being used, more apps being published, and the the gas fee on the main chain actually starts to represent that at some point. Obviously, we will have subnets and other types of scalability solutions for low gas fees, but the main chain will always have, a, have some sort of a healthy fee market. And once you have that fee market, let's say that in addition to the thousand stacks that are coming out as Coinbase, 
we have we have significant gas fees. Some of these uh, more mature networks like Ethereum, they have like millions of dollars of gas fee that actually comes out on a daily or, or hourly basis. Right? So it's not unthinkable that once uh, the gas fee component would actually be even bigger than the Coinbase fee. And once that's there, uh, you kind of like get into the same effect that the bandwidth for how many miners can actually participate actually goes up by a lot. And you can you can even get into like you know, hundreds or maybe even, even thousands of miners. But in general, uh, there are more technical details here. Like, uh, you know, Bitcoin um, basically has some sort of mining pools and it's not like hundreds of miners mine Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is a very decentralized network. Uh, so you really have to dig into the consensus protocol to see that what impact it, there is even with having like seven to 10 miners on the network. The situation is not that bad. That's the that's the TLDR. Uh, there, uh, but obviously it gets better uh, if the incentives for miners goes up and the, and the, the number of miners also goes Great, thank you so much. So yes, uh, do let us know if you have any questions in the comments below or on Twitter, we'd love to hear from folks. But thank you to everyone for tuning in. Um, and please make sure that you're subscribed to the Hero YouTube channel for more videos like this. Thanks, Maneeb. Awesome, thanks so much. Mm -hmm.